Welcome in to your other side of Texas. It's a birthday day for me. I'm uh, 39 today. And, you know, I feel like I'm 25. Good. Looking good. good. My hair, always great hair. There are some things you begin to, to figure out whenever you're 39. And, like, as a man, I don't want to gross you out, little sister. That's but okay. um, you begin to grow hair on the cartilage of your ear. That, more, yeah, more, that's more. Kind of gross. I, I think that yeah, that's definitely a man thing. Like whenever yeah. you were a little kid and you looked at old men, you're like, yeah, how that happened to you? Yeah, out of their nose yeah. and out of their ears. It's starting to happen. It's starting to happen. Your teeth begin to move apart. Mm. You need toothpicks more often. Yeah. Just telling you what to look out for whenever you get to to 39. I'm excited. Your arches begin to fail. Oh, that that's no fun. Yeah. yeah. There, uh, you hurt more. Just more often. Kind yeah. of get up in the morning. Uh, and I can't do the late night thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, I can, but I used to do like the two thirty to wake up at seven thirty. Ooh, uh, that's rough. I'm out on that one. Hey, welcome in. We are broadcasting from the Accessory Depot Studios. Go see the folks at West Texas Accessory Depot out on Eighty Second Valencia and Lubbock. Other side listeners can get a free row of WeatherTech liners with the purchase of a bed cover. 806-866-9494. That's WTAccessoryDepot.com. Lots of things going on. Tomorrow, of course, is Election Day. It is upon us, the 2018 primaries in Texas, which it really messed me up whenever we started moving the primaries to early March because mm-hmm. now i got to keep up with the Alamo, where we are there, and I got to keep up with all these primary races, and my birthday comes in the middle of it all. So yeah, and I'll be getting number one. Well, I mean, I'll be getting texts and calls tonight from people I can't talk to. Oh, because it's birthday time. Yeah, so, I got you. A little bit of a pain, but all sorts of things beginning to rev up. I think just my breakdown is this: that tomorrow I'm looking at three places. I want to see can Sarah Davis survive. In West University Place, Greg Abbott has, as a sitting governor, has set up an outpost in moderate West University Place to try to topple Sarah Davis. Can she survive? And can Lyle Larson survive? And I think he can. I, but what are the numbers? That's a better way to say it. What are the numbers going to be there in San Antonio for Lyle Larson as he softened up? And then you look up to the panhandle. And I think that... Ken King, probably going to be okay out of Canadian, a state house member, Ken King. And then house member for Price, I think, is fine. But the question becomes what happens with State Senator Kel Seliger, who some, including myself, would call Dan Patrick's greatest obstruction to getting exactly what Dan Patrick wants, which, in my view, what Dan Patrick wants is not good for Texas. So can Seliger get through without a runoff? Uh, We are broadcasting from Lubbock, so... There are some county commissioner races that are of intrigue, a county judge race. The numbers I've heard are that uh, Gary Boren may be approaching the 50% line. And if he gets to 51, there's no runoff there with Curtis Parrish and, and Karen Gibson. But if he gets drug into a runoff, we'll see if it's Gibson or, or Parrish who goes with him there. The county commissioner races, I think, I was asked several times about that today, I think in those races... They're coin flips at this point with Mark Heinrich and Jason Corley. And then you've got Patty Jones against the C guy, Chad C, excuse me. I didn't mean to be disrespectful there, Mr. C. And that I can't remember his first name tells you 
what kind of situation and what kind of positions those races are in what kind of situations they are because uh, there are a lot of people who are upset about what's happened so far as pay raises and it's low-hanging fruit for a relatively unknown to come through to win a race like that and patty jones is a very and i don't mean this in a in a negative sense she's very established at the lovely county courthouse and very well respected around texas and it's again we're we're up to coin flips in lubbock where i want to take us though is you know i wrote in the dallas morning news about the panhandle and what could happen there and how i think the conservatives in the panhandle will turn against the current tide in texas and that current tide that seems to be i hear it called right but i don't think it's right i I, and i don't think it's conservative because it doesn't really can it has all the red meat but it doesn't really conserve anything but what i think is missing in the state and i've talked about this before but i want to spend a few minutes as voters go to the booth if you've not voted already I want to encourage you to, and I'll put this up on the other side of Texas, Politics of Place, 2018. And I talk about place a lot, and I can't, I think a lot of times I'm confused as like a liberal or or something else because I so actively oppose these groups that I think exploit rural interest. They tempt moral concerns and they, they end up exploiting. Uh, economic interests in rural communities and it's so easy to be taken if you don't pay attention it's like i always say little sister somebody can talk to you ad nauseum about what happened at the oscars last night or what's going on with the kardashians or what's going on in dc what's what's the latest trump what everybody wants to make into a scandal or it may well be a scandal right people can talk ad nauseum but if you ask somebody how many senate seats there are in the texas senate then it's just on lockdown like a blank face most of the time and i think it's because people are confused and it's because they don't pay a whole lot of attention to state government so now you begin to get mailers in in claiming that people are pro-choice and you've spent about 10 minutes of the last three years thinking about state government then you you might get taken at that point and uh, i i want to propose this to the confusion and to the current state of things right now in texas politics and that's that you consider your and i don't care where you're listening to me from Uh, If you're listening from the Pine Curtain or you're listening from the Third Coast or uh, Heaven slash Big Bend or you're listening in West Texas, put your place above your party. I think a place carries a continuity of knowledge and it passes it from generation to generation. How the place works, what makes it turn. And when there's disruption in this continuity, Learning transpires by costly lessons of what the place will and will not tolerate. And that kind of learning risks decline of a place and perhaps demise. Now, in my teens and in my 20s, my late teens and 20s, I rambled all around this region, a region built on agriculture and education and health care, with a well-worn copy of Milton Friedman's Capitalism and Freedom in my truck console and an authentic 1964 Goldwater Miller bumper sticker. And I had any government talk shows blaring on my AM radio. 
And that was in the late 90s, in the early 2000s. And that was a very disruptive time in West Texas to go back to disruption of a continuity and whether you risk decline or demise. Uh, we had finally come to a place as a region, by and large, where the social conservatism was ready to divorce from the Democratic Party. And we were late to, speaking of party, to the party on this. A lot of the rest of Texas went first. But the majority of West Texas held on, certainly at the state level, uh, held on. And our native fiscal frugality married into Republicanism, a party that outside of Reconstruction and Larry Combest coordinating with Charlie Stenholm in the 2002 Farm Bill, a party that had made little contribution to the region. And they came into the region promising term limits and promising local control. And, well, you can see how that turned out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and at that time, my the incongruence of my developing hardline right-wing political identity I didn't realize that there was an incongruence with that identity and my surrounding economic realities it never even occurred to me and then I grew up and drive around West Texas today and one can plainly see a century's worth of good government out on state highways that's public funded state highways there are expansive landscapes of crops ranch land and oil fields that are all proof of america's historical commitment to policy that incentivized domestic food fiber and fuel production as a matter of national defense and a defense that can be applied directly from several of the region's military bases and throughout the region's constellation of rural communities there are school districts and those school districts are the lifeblood as well as a primary employer. And those communities are often within an hour of access to health care. And you drive into the rural metropolis of Lubbock and things have never been better economically. It is called, quote unquote, the recession-proof city. Because 10 of its top, the majority, and I have to see where we are this year, but usually the top 8 or 9 are government entities top eight or nine employers in the city and they maintain 20 25 percent of the workforce and business experience in Lubbock uh, like the rest of the region will remediate anything that you might have been confused about growing up because the non-taxable invoices that roll into small and I mean hard-working small businesses that provide quality service to all of these sectors ag education the medical sectors those invoices are both significant and unquantifiable and in a place like this demagoguery of government to me is a, is ironic as Al Gore boarding a private jet to keynote a carbon footprint conference one becomes awfully aware of the political dissonance in talking awfully red when the deposits are quite blue and my I could go on and you can go read the piece, but there has been a disruption and it began with redistricting. And I know I can already hear it. I know that Democrats redistrict. We do it every 10 years. But in Tom DeLay's round of redistricting, some almost 20 years ago now, uh, no, it was mid, so it's 15 years. What we did was not only did we erase lines, we erased middle ground altogether. I mean, you can't approach 
even trying to vote your district without somebody throwing heretical tomatoes at you, without somebody throwing rocks at you for being, uh, you know, a liberal or being too concerned or whatever the case might be. There's just no, it is, the polls are so magnetic now that you can't even approach middle ground like the guys who used to represent this district and this region did. Like George Mahon, who voted with his district 60%, voted with his party, only voted with the Democrats, you know, and this is in the 70s, 60% of the time. Not 80, 60, because he knew his place. Charlie Stenholm, I've got a picture of Charlie sitting right here beside me. 24 by 18, good looking grin on Charlie. And Charlie was a Democrat, and he voted for the Reagan tax cuts with Ken Hans. Voted for the Reagan tax cuts, and later would vote for Bill Clinton's impeachment. Because he knew his place. He knew what his people felt, and how they thought about that entire situation. And we had these craftsmen, these political craftsmen, who used to run West Texas and East Texas and South Texas. Well, South Texas hadn't really ever had much representation, but Central Texas. We all had these craftsmen. And now today, there are guys who I think honorably try to be craftsmen, but you just simply cannot get to middle ground to do big and bold measures for the state of Texas. And then on top of it, Mr. Sam Rayburn's Texas Democratic Party has taken up an obsession with a perennially losing coalition of urban cultural liberalism in pink jogging shoes. And then, on the other side, you've got this Texas GOP that is obsessed with duping urban and suburban voters with Austin mandates that do little to lower property taxes at all as well as coaxing conservative Texans with social legislation that will invariably flop in federal court, in the federal court, a.k.a. the only opposition party in Texas right now, or whatever else these consultants contrive. So this is where I want to lead into all this. I'm telling you about politics of place the day before the 2018 Texas primary elections, in which in the early voting... The Democratic turnout is up 200, some 200, 225% since 2014. And this is a political reality that the current Republican Party of Texas must find disconcerting, especially since the Republican Party of Texas has people within it that are actively working to eliminate rural Republican lawmakers that they'll soon need. And on top of that, as I mentioned earlier, a governor who's put up outposts in places like West University Place. And we're to a place where we can't vote our districts, where we're cajoled not to vote where our lawmakers are. And it is just simply time for people to begin to put their place over their party. And I think that will help create some middle ground in this state so we can tend to the other sides of Texas. That's a little opening monologue. Find the rest of it up on other side of Texas.com. I'm going to go to a break, come back in, and uh, we may have a little bit of news and some Leonard T. Jenkins. He's wrinkled and gray, but he still got the fire, and he sings. Hey, 
And welcome back in. This segment is brought to you by Racer Car Wash. Voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. Stop in at one of their five convenient locations across the Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed RacerWash.com. So if you only had three jobs. No, if you only had two jobs. Like you've got two things you got to get done. And you're looking at a job that you're going to have to do for... I don't know, a decade or two. And you walk in and you get those two things done in your first year. Like, that's pretty good. Like, what do you do then? Go on vacation for 10 years? That last congressional race here out of West Texas, Jody Arrington out of Texas District 19. What Arrington has done, well, let me preface that. There were a whole lot of people working really hard and for years now. For, for the better part of a decade, especially with cotton, to get cotton back since 2014 and even fighting the Brazil case and the WTO stuff before then, and there are some people who are just flat worn out. Right. Arrington gets elected and brought in. In his first term, he has seen cotton come back into Title I price loss coverage program. Within a 100-mile radius of Lubbock, cotton has a 4 to $5 billion annual economic impact. Wow. Yeah. And I think tech's like it, $1.25 billion. An enormous industry there with cotton. And then the gin assistance program as well. There wasn't anything. And now there's a lot of things going on for cotton within right. within his first term. And we had Mike Conaway on out of Midland, congressman out of Midland. And he's done fantastic work on cotton all the way. And you got to take care of cotton in this congressional district, but you also have to take care of Dias Air Force Base. And I'm hearing more and more rumblings that Dias Air Force Base is, that well, what's public is that they're going to retire the B-1 and the B-2 bombers. But then they're going to bring in the B-21 bomber. And the B-21 Raider, is it any, really, is it just happenstance that it's called the Raider? Right. In black and red country. But these things cost some, according to, to reports in 2010, $550 million per bomber. Wow. And Dias Air Force Base, you see Cornyn, you see Arrington, you see a lot of the, even crews pushing for this thing to get done. If, if he lands the B-21 at Dias, and then Cotton has been taken care of, then, hey, get the kids, get the Arrington kids, and just, just go to Disneyland. You just won the championship. You're done. And I feel sorry for Democrats who are, I'm sure that there are some things with which I disagree on with Arrington, and, and he and I have had those conversations, but by and large, he just won the championship. Let's go out the phone lines. My good buddy, Leonard T. Jenkins. Leonard T., how are you? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Jerry. Well, I've, I really thought I'd come in the studio and there'd be a big old cake and you would go all uh, Marilyn Monroe and jump out. No, I don't do that anymore. Anymore. It hurts, hurts my back too much. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm 39 but, and well. How are you? But there is no way in the world that you're 39. I had you at, at 49. Yeah. I get yeah. I had three kids in twenty months, so I went great. That'll do it. That'll do it, Jay. No. I appreciate you going on and on about your ear hair, and it sounds like there's a lot more fanfare on your birthday than there is on mine. 
You're talking about how you're going to get phone calls tonight, how you can't no, pay attention no, to things. No, no, no. You're like a 15-year-old girl getting all excited well, about that birthday. You, you misheard that, Leonard T., I'm going to be getting calls and texts about the elections tomorrow. That's what I'm going to be getting calls about. And instead, you want to celebrate your birthday. Yeah. 39 years. Yep. That's incredible. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate that. What have you been thinking about, Leonard T.? Well, you got me thinking as you were talking about all the election stuff coming up, and and, um, I don't have a lot to say about it. I just like listening to you talk. But you started talking about little tiny uh, teenage Jay back in the early 90s riding around blaring his AM conservative talk shows on, mm-hmm. his, on his radio. And uh, that was just delightful, that imagery. I thank you for that. And I, it made me wonder, what kind of car did you drive back then when you were listening to your AM conservative talk shows? Well, I had an F-150 Lariat. Huh. Yeah. That is nice. With a back, when you were a teen- back when you were a teenager? Yeah, it was really good. And then I, I took up driving a lot, and I got a Chevy S10. I hope you won't think less of me, Leonard T. You downsized a little bit, I didn't did. you? Yeah, it performed better in the West Texas wind. I mean, at that time, yeah. I was driving to and from South Plains and out to that little Methodist church in Petersburg. and I don't judge you for that at all. The judgment comes in how come you didn't spend any time listening to Journey or white snake or any of those bands is that your jam oh no i know i mean i know that's what the teenagers back in the in the 80s and 90s were listening to no no that was a little before my time this was like pre garth brooks going crazy so we were like in the the prime of 90s country there are like whole serious radio stations devoted to 90s country and rightfully so you made it sound like all you listening to were conservative talk shows. Well, and I just—I well, hadn't met a—I hadn't met a teenager yet that that would admit to listening to conservative talk shows as a teenager. Well, so I'm I, very you know, impressed. You know, whenever you spend a lot of time out on the farm working, you you listen to a lot of conservative radio. <laughs> I bet That's, you do. Yeah. Man, I just had something I was going to ask you, and I forgot it. Well, you want you want you want to know what's on my mind? I'll yeah, yeah, what's on yeah. My mind. I, uh, a couple of minutes here Yeah. before we get in you with know, Scott Braddock. I spent a little time in East Tennessee and North Georgia. Yeah. And I, I know that it, I know you're not going to be unfamiliar with what I'm about to talk about, but how do we get those delectable boiled peanuts from the South out here to West Texas? Because all you can find is boiled peanuts in a can out here. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever had those? I did. We were driving home. I can't remember where we went, but yeah, we were driving home and got some of those. It was, it was different. No, they're I'm amazing. About, but they are amazing. I'm talking about the side of the road boiled peanuts. If we could sell those, you and me, Jay, going together, you talk about if you only had two jobs and you got done with them in a couple of years, what would you do? Yeah. Well, I, you go on and do some, some you know, designated stripping like I am yeah. to your next job. Cryptocurrency. Absolutely. And so you're going to set up a, a boiled peanut food truck in Lubbock? No. I'm saying if we could get Jay and Leonard T's boiled peanut stand inside the Jones Stadium. Oh, we can make some money. Wow. We can not only introduce the world, and they might give their life to boiled peanuts and mean it this time. <laughs> that sounds good. Hey, we're going to run. I appreciate the birthday wishes. Thank you, Leonard T. I'll be about to pop out of that cake later on in the meantime. <laughs> Jay, peace in the Middle East, my friend. All right, good buddy.
Have fun out there. Peace in the Middle East. Hey, we're going to go to a quick commercial break here and then get in with Scott Braddock. Quorum Report coming right up. Braddock on Texas. I don't like the way the gas is sky high. And I don't like the way the stocks are down. And I ain't into Bluetooth. This segment brought to you by Title One, Lubbock's digital real estate and title escrow company. Title One is committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time of contract until the time of close. See how Title One can serve your realty consumer and lending needs at TitleOne.com. He is not just from Texas, he is of Texas. It's Braddock on Texas. How are you? If everybody needs to get all amped up because tomorrow is the day, the election of consequence in the great state. Yeah, and the fall of the Alamo, all on the same day. Let's start there. One of the jobs is overseeing the Alamo, and of course, uh, George P. Bush, Commissioner Bush, has uh, tried to reimagine the Alamo. He's trying to navigate uh, some local politics there in San Antonio, and then also that, of course, is overlaid with the not only state, but national and world politics of messing with the Alamo. You don't mess with the Alamo, right? Uh, Jerry Patterson, uh, the former land commissioner, has been saying that Bush is messing this whole thing up. It's really interesting to see Patterson's shift on this. He says that it's based on the evidence. If you listen to what Patterson is saying, he says, look, yes, I endorsed Bush when he was running for the office that uh, Patterson was vacating almost four years ago. Patterson ran for lieutenant governor. That didn't work out. We have Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, of course, instead. That was a four-way race. Uh, and Patterson says he thought he was leaving the uh, land office in good hands. But he says he's been very disappointed that Bush has been uh, just, I mean, we keep saying this phrase, but it's the argument. He, he's been messing things up left and right. It's not just the iconic issue of what to do with the Alamo and whether to focus on the battle in 1836 or to focus on the know, centuries of history that happened in that area, uh, but it's also about the response to Hurricane Harvey. The uh, land office, as you mentioned, these different offices have different responsibilities. One of the things the general land office is supposed to do is respond uh, to the housing needs of people uh, when there is a uh, man-made or natural disaster in this state. Hurricane Harvey, the worst hurricane in United States history, uh, impacting uh, you know areas all along the uh, Gulf Coast from Nueces County down around Corpus Christi all the way over to the Gro- uh, Golden Triangle uh, at uh, Beaumont and Port Arthur mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and and you know it's not just that you had all of these people who were either displaced from their homes for a while or are still not back in those homes you know six months later there are also people who have family members who are in that situation uh, so people who don't even live in those areas are still upset about what's happening in those areas. I can tell you that I was at a uh, forum uh, for uh, two Texas House candidates in Galveston a couple of weeks ago, uh, Mays Middleton and Fair, uh, Wayne Faircloth, who are uh, running for uh, State House. There are uh, different kinds of Republicans, but both of them playing to the crowd and saying that George P. Bush has handled the response to Hurricane Harvey terribly. Hmm. We should also say that in those counties that we mentioned, all along the coast, that repre- represents about... Forty percent of the Republican primary uh, vote across the state, so not insignificant. Wow. So let's go around the state then. Uh, we're going to look at the overall makeup of the Texas Senate. Uh, you mentioned Kel Seliger. It's a critical race. Also, uh, Senator Craig Estes, who's next door, 
uh, in the next Senate district over. He faces uh, a guy who has been portrayed as someone who's going to be a yes man for Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. That guy is named Pat Fallon. He's a state representative right now. Uh, Patrick has the back of that guy. Wayne Faircloth, who I mentioned down in the, on the coast. Um, Lyle Larson, Sarah Davis, Wayne Faircloth, all of them are state representatives who at one time or another um, questioned one of the ways in which Governor Abbott raises campaign cash. $14 million worth of campaign hmm. cash uh, has come to him from appointees to boards and commissions. Just to be clear for people, the governor can put somebody on the UT Board of Regents, and that person can give him hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, Faircloth, for example, had been asked about that, had been asked about uh, whether uh, ethics reform in the legislature um, was going to go anywhere uh, in the future uh, and why it didn't go anywhere last time. And Faircloth simply said there are some Republicans like himself and others uh, who don't think it's right that if you're going to be on the Board of Regents of any of our university systems, for example, uh, that you would have to give a big donation to the governor. They don't think that's right. And it's not Abbott-specific either. Uh, governor Perry did that. Governor Bush did that. Abbott just seems to be uh, to be the best at it. By the way, we just posted a little while ago at quorumreport.com a column from uh, former Republican Party of Texas Chairman Tom Pawkin, uh, who, you know, a lot of people, Jay, like to say that they're Reagan Republicans. Pawkin actually is a Reagan Republican. He served in the Reagan administration, uh, in addition to being a former RPT chairman. Uh, he said, look, it's simple. Abbott is trying to make examples of Lyle Larson, Sarah Davis, and Wayne Faircloth for trying to limit his ability to award his big donors, his cronies. You won't see Empower Texans uh, complaining about Abbott's cronies. You never do. Uh, but uh, some of the other things we're watching, of course, is the uh, turnout all across the state in the Republican and Democratic primaries. What, what do you know, Jay Lason, in Texas? There are some Democrats around here. In the 15 largest counties, uh, we've seen, in some cases, Democrats outpacing Republican votes. Um, and, of course, that has uh, people nationally talking about whether there's the blue wave coming to Texas. Uh, we can talk more about that later if you like. But it is interesting uh, to see that there is so much enthusiasm on the Democratic side. There are some reasons for that. One, people are upset about President Trump, and it's not just Democrats, not and, and not just uh, people who have been Democrats over the years. Some people are voting uh, for the very first time, a significant number voting for the first time in a Democratic primary, uh, upset about what they see coming out of Washington. Uh, also, you have Beto O'Rourke, who's running, against, uh, running so that he can run against Ted Cruz in the fall. There's a lot of excitement about him. And, of course, the Democrats have eight or nine candidates running for governor, and uh, Democrats want to see uh, who's going to come out uh, on top in that. Looks like it's headed to a runoff. There also is, you know, when we talk about this anti-Trump sentiment, there is, there is a, a handful of races for Congress uh, in which there are tons of Democrats running uh, to try to take on the Republicans in the fall. Those include races in Dallas, San Antonio, and Houston. Uh, and uh, a couple of other places as well. So uh, we'll see what happens here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the excitement level is almost to the level that it uh, sometimes would be during a presidential election year. Yeah, so Scott Braddock, Quorum Report, joining us here at Scott Braddock on Twitter. I want to look at this Democratic primary for governor. I was asked today about this blue wave. Do you think it's a thing? And I think it'll be the Republicans who do themselves in. If Texas turns purple, it'll be because of Republicans that, quite frankly, where's the increase from 2014 in Democratic turnout? It depends on where you look. And of course, uh, we're still seeing the numbers trickle in from all of the counties. Immediately, we were able to see the biggest counties 
And so a lot of times in media reports you will see uh, the 15 largest counties. That, that's what uh, is usually referred to. Uh, remember, 254 counties across two time zones, it's hard to add all this stuff up. It's mm-hmm. a very decentralized system, of course. Um, but in the big urban counties, you're seeing a Democratic turnout um, compared to 2014, in some cases 300% higher than it was in 14. In some places, 200% higher than 14. Uh, but to keep it in perspective, and I think to speak to what you're talking about with whether or not this is really a wave that's going to make a difference in November, um, you have to look at the fact that Democrats are trying to make up a lot of political real estate here. They're trying to catch up with Republicans in a big way. Uh, in Harris County, for example, when you looked at the when you look at the first uh, few days of early voting, uh, you had the Democratic vote up by about 300 percent, and Republican vote the voting was up by about 11 percent, something like that. But that meant that you know, once you once you saw the Republicans rise a little bit and the Democrats uh, rise a whole lot, you were seeing them run about even. Right, so the Democrats are having to make up quite a bit uh, of numbers to even get to where Republicans are. So, um, if there is a blue wave, which is very possible, um, you know, as we said, and, and I think as people uh, just sense from the news coverage and uh, they see it in their Twitter feeds and on their Facebook pages and elsewhere, people are very upset about President Trump. But if there is a blue wave, two things to remember: one, the Republican Party in Texas has built the kind of fortifications you need to have in place to be able to withstand such a blue wave, and by that I mean the sort of redistricting maps that we have, uh, along with some of the other rules governing our elections. Uh, and number two, um, you have uh, the the fact that the Democrats just don't have the resources that they would need to be able to run competitive races in the fall. Um, one exception to that uh, is Beto O'Rourke, who has done very well in his fundraising and, and has been able to do well in fundraising um, when he's not getting any PAC, getting any PAC money, uh, but even though he's gotten a lot of media coverage, and even though he's doing well in fundraising, despite the fact he's not taking PAC money, um, if you look at any of the polling that's out there, and of course we have a paucity of polling, public polling in Texas, uh, but if you look at what's there, his name ID is still very very small. This is a guy who has represented, uh, you know, El Paso in Congress, which is not a population center, uh, and so people even in the big cities where he's been getting some excitement. The vast majority of voters still don't know who he is. The political machinery, that's why we have you on the show, to talk about what realistic expectations are. But I wonder, in my mind, their best shot is Andrew White. And I'm curious if what I'm hearing is correct. There's a huge turnout for public education in the Republican primary to vote for Scott Milder against Dan Patrick. Mm-hmm. And that would include moderate Democrats that are not voting in. Do you think that the turnout in the Republican primary is going to be substantial enough that it tilts a scale one way or the other between Lupe Valdez and Andrew White? I'm not sure, but to speak to your point about Milder, it would be very interesting if he, and of course we're talking about the guy challenging Dan Patrick uh, in the Republican primary, if Milder gets 20 to 25 percent of the vote in the Republican primary, I think that would be a game changer because for two reasons. One, um, people who would vote for Milder instead of Patrick are not going to vote for Dan Patrick in the fall, right? They're, they would they would no. switch back and vote for probably for a Democrat or just not vote. Uh, two, um, if, if if there is that kind of uh, enthusiasm uh, for some, some for someone other than Patrick, it resets the conversation just a little bit because up until now, it's been safe to say that Patrick is the spiritual leader of the Republican Party in Texas, and if his dominance is in any way threatened, 
um, I think that you would see some recalibration. I mean, look, if you asked you or me four years ago what's the way to win a Republican primary in Texas, uh, the answer would probably be to get to the right of Ted Cruz. Uh, the answer right now is to praise President Trump. There's a reason that uh, in Dan Patrick's uh, television commercials, which, by the way, he spent more than $5 million on during January, yeah. uh, the first words out of his mouth are, I agree with President Trump. Uh, that sets the tone for every other candidate on the Democratic side. Um, I'm not sure, uh, you know, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I'm not sure why uh, Andrew White would, would make any more, a better of a, a, you know, better of a showing against uh, Greg Abbott than Lupe Valdez would. I'm, I'm just not sure about that. Um, but I do think here's the sleeper race for you. Attorney General uh, Justin Nelson running as a, a Democrat against uh, Ken Paxton this fall. Um, he's probably going to be sitting on north of $2 million uh, when we get uh, you know, to November or right before November. Hmm. Uh, and you have a sitting attorney general who could be uh, either convicted by then, uh, because, of course, he has been indicted on uh, you know, allegations uh, related to securities fraud. Uh, the attorney general could be convicted by then or on his way to being convicted. Um, and the message from the Democrat in the race, uh, who is you know, a respected attorney in Austin, um, if he's got two, two and a half million dollars in the bank, the last six weeks of the campaign can be television ads uh, all over the place uh, showing Ken Paxton behind bars. Uh, that could be a message that could either, you know, drive more term- Democratic turnout uh, in that race uh, or, or, uh, and or uh, make some Republicans maybe skip that race. Could get interesting. Well, there he is, Scott Braddock. Follow Scott Braddock at Scott Braddock on Twitter as he goes through the, the information as it comes in tomorrow night. Yes, and uh, we'll be tracking all of the election results, uh, you know, from one end of the state to the other and top to bottom as well. And by the way, I want to make a special offer for listeners of this show. If you go to quorumreport.com, click subscriptions, uh, go ahead and subscribe, sign up for free, and click bill me. You'll get a free month of the Quorum Report, and the only way we can enforce it is uh, if you don't pay your invoice after a month, we'll cut you off because we are ruthless capitalists at quorumreport.com. Braddock on Texas. Have a good evening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jay. We'll talk soon. I'm going to go into a quick break here and get back in with you. got plenty to run down. Stick right there. Well, welcome back in. This segment is brought to you by Lubbock. File Room, providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, call Lubbock File Room today, 806-744-7666. See more at LubbockFileRoom.com. Hey, I just posted up on OtherSideOfTexas.com, Politics Place 2018. Got some time this evening check it out love to get your thoughts on it if you like it share it share the website too love you to to check that out appreciate you checking it out go out to the phone line and get our weekly blue collar bill report bill how are you i'm doing good how about you Jay? are you out on the highway now it sounds like you're standing beside out on the shoulder oh yeah yeah i just i just backed in here to the post office of Idaloo and fixing a little mail yeah well Thanks for making time in the middle of all that. The working yeah, man's yeah. report here. What have you been thinking about, Bill? I wanted to wish you happy birthday, too. Well, that's thank you, Blue Collar Bill. Uh, I remember being 39. That was a good year. <laughs> I'm expecting a great year, yeah. That was a very good year. And, of course, we're, we're, we're excited to get out there and, and, and vote our place tomorrow. Um, I'm hoping that uh, 
you know, a few of Lubbock County's 168,000 registered voters will show up and, uh, you know, uh, uh, do the exercise of civic duty and, uh, you know, try, try to help us uh, make some positive changes. Yeah, what are you going to do in that lieutenant governor's race? Have you voted yet? I have not voted yet, but I can almost assure you I will not be voting for Dan Patrick. <laughs> And this, did you see? I, I really think somebody listened to this program, and you run down those commercials, and then somebody went out and. and have you seen this commercial that they made? A, mo- a parody of a Patrick's commercial. Well, I, I saw that one you you posted. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, I shared guy, it. Guy doing the parody. Yeah, that was that was great. That was hilarious. And I think we, everybody can see it and give it some thought. Bill, we got to start getting you to do those commercials. You'll be yourself. Not you don't have to talk differently or dress differently. You can just say hello. I'm Nancy Pelosi. Like it'll be great. Oh, I'd love to do it. I, w- I would love to do it, and then and then make all kinds of misshapen fists and and, and tell the public I'm going to go fight for them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that'd be good stuff, man. That's great. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't think I'm going to be down with Dan Patrick, and and I, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be down with the third Bush. The third, oh, the third Bush. Hmm. Yeah, the third Bush. So you're a Patterson voter. Yeah, yeah. I just, man, I do not like the way Bush has handled that whole, the, the whole Alamo thing has had me infuriated ever since the moment I found out he wanted to turn it into a theme park. So that's what you're calling it, a theme park. Oh, that's what it looked like to me. I mean, I saw some of the early drawings. It looked like they were going to have rides and soda fountains and Ferris wheels and picnic areas. And, yeah. Man, that's what it's about. Bill, what was going on in the background just now? Oh, that's me lowering the lift so I can uh, get this mail up here. Man, you just don't stop working, but You man, just don't. I am, I, I am slinging mail as we speak. <laughs> All right. What well, is exciting about rain, darkness, sleep, snow of night? All I know is we don't stop. You don't stop. I love <laughs> we it. We do not stop. 24-7. We're going to get it there. All right. Well, here's what I want to hear about next week, Blue Collar Bill. I want to hear your take on all the resolutions that you're going to have to vote on tomorrow in that GOP primary. Really? Yeah. You want, you want my take on each one of them? No, just your general take on there being twenty resolutions or something. Oh yeah, yeah, I can do that. I don't think the I don't think the poll is the place to ask consulting questions. Yeah. Well, there you go. And I like that answer. I, there you go. There, 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 there it is in a nutshell, my friend. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope everybody get out there, vote their place, give it some thought. Don't get hung up in the hot button issues. Do what's going to be right for you and your neighbors in West Texas. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, sir. I, I mentioned at the beginning of the program, a little bit shorter edition of Other Side of Texas today. It's big, big birthday night, but we may, well, I'll just, I may have a birthday gift for you, all of you. I'm going to give gifts. Oh, great. In the next few days, but stay tuned for that. I want to also, I have to tell you, Shift Automotive Group in Lubbock has just gotten a bunch of new vehicles in. Real cars for real people. I've told the story and I'll tell it again. I was in an auto accident. I knew that I was okay. And then I knew that I needed to call 911. 
and everybody else was okay too, by the way, but call 911 just in case. And then I called my insurance agent, and then I started, you know, you, you got shocked. Your hands are shaking, and it's, I thought, oh, I don't have anybody I can call about. And you don't want to just walk onto a lot and right. trust anybody. I'm telling you, if you trust what I say on this program to shoot you straight, I'm shooting you straight here. Derek Beard has been in the car business for 20 years, and he's worked the pavement lots, and he's in, installed the accessories, and he's financed the deals, and now he's got this great dealership, Shift Automotive Group, here in Lubbock, outside the loop on 58th Street, and you'll find them, Shift Automotive Group. The rarity in the car business, these guys, real cars for real people at really great prices. Check them out at shiftlubbock.com, 806-993-1094. That's 806-993-1094. It's the website to you before we get off. OtherSideOfTexas.com. I had a blog piece I wrote this weekend. They did a story in the Avalanche Journal today about it, okay. about people underreporting. 11 instances in Texas, at least with one consultant, where they underreported PAC dollars. By underreported, I mean cross reference Texas ethics data. And there's, again, this is up on the other side of Texas. If you click on the blogs menu there, there's a guy running against Ken King. He got $40,000 from a group that a very ardent school voucher proponent supports. He got four. They reported that they gave him forty thousand dollars. He only reported five thousand, because if I lived in Parrington, Texas, I probably wouldn't want everybody to know. And you know, and motivations are what they are. I, I, I'm not saying I know what his motivations are, but I can tell you what it looks like. And in politics, perception is reality. That happened in ten other instances as well. Wow. So the AJ wrote on that story there in the panhandle but there are other instances that's all there other side of texas.com click on advertisers while you're there great content for you uh, original smart and sometimes funny yeah i think so that's what we try to shoot for there so to borrow a line from the great bob bullock only death will end my love affair with the other side of texas we'll see you next week right here on am 580 Be ready.